The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. And welcome again to the show, everyone. We have a fun uh, pairing for you guys this week, Uh we brought back Guillermo del Toro because that's what we do on this show, because we love him so much. Uh, but this this specific double feature is a, is a little bit different in a, in a way. We'll get we'll get into that. But before we dive into anything else, do two, Joe Dinny Dan, how you doing? Eh, yeah, it's better than uh, I guess. Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, Is your shirt inside out? It might be. Let me double check. <laughs> it is not. Okay, good. It is not. <laughs> I was curious. Those, uh, you, I'd be like uh, Lady Gaga at the Oscars. <laughs> she listen. I'd she rocked that inside shirt out. <laughs> listen, um, I haven't done much of. Anything? I didn't finish The Last of Us show. It was good. Quite Can good. I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Um, this has nothing to do with the giraffe thing, by the way. Because I don't give a fuck about the giraffe thing. <laughs> I want... Because, listen. I don't get a lot of opportunities where, like, um, a big show is based on something I have a lot of experience with. So, it's like, it's like those people that had read the the book before the red wedding was shown on game of thrones so this is my moment so i wanted to know what your takeaway spoiler alert for the last of us game and show i want to know what your takeaway with the ending was you we could you could describe it if you want it's, it's up to you yeah um as far as the ending goes um the thing is i knew like the the very basic gist of the story and the ending just through cultural osmosis um, cause it was such a widely played game, obviously. And my, yeah. my brother has never played it, but he's seen playthroughs. And I remember watching like the cutscenes, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a pretty impactful ending right there where, <laughs> where <laughs> Joel, Joel is like a uh, cure. Now we're not going to do that. I'm just going to shoot up all these doctors and get the girl the hell out of there. <laughs> And what makes it worse is like, cause you're playing the character in the game, obviously. Yes. And so it's like, and and if you never played the game, you have no idea what's happening. If you, especially if you don't know what the ending is, and you get to that point, and you're in that, you're in the operating room with the doctors. You can actually kill all the doctors if you want to. You don't have to, but if you're like that determined to do it, <laughs> but then like, like you realize, cause like obviously, you know, we've known. 
from the moment the show started that Joel has a bit of a mean streak, especially over the course of 20 years being in a apocalyptic scenario. And, um, when he, when he finally feels that strongly again, like he did for his daughter, Sarah, and, and he, he feels that towards Ellie, you know, he can he can channel that mean streak in a loving way like you can understand why he's doing it but at the same time it's like stop it <laughs> and so I, I i liked that in the show they they depicted it they they, they depicted it as somewhat of a bad thing mm-hmm. but not so intensely because you still could understand why he's doing it but you also are like stop <laughs> like like this is this is insane you're like you you killed the doctor point blank like you shot him in the face, which is what you do in the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things um, where I think it's also the completion of a character arc as well for mm-hmm. this character because in his mind, because in any other story, any other story, okay, the big thing is he gets to save, he gets to save the daughter-like figure because he didn't get, he couldn't do that with his own do- his own actual daughter. No, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then it's mixed with the fact that, yes, he saves her, and that's that's nifty and all, but... Uh, um, at what cost? We will, <laughs> at, at, at what cost? Um, mm-hmm. But also, like, should... Like, because Ellie's not, like, an adult. No, she's she's 14. So, uh, it's... As far as the narrative you know, is concerned. So, it's kind of like, you know, is she really, like, going... Is she good with doing that? doing like did she want to like you know i don't want to like t- t- say what a kid does and doesn't want but on, on some level i think especially with a with a medical like a medic certain medical things like that like especially if it's going to cost you your life i think i know that there's so many it's a weird conversation i'm just going to say up front <laughs> well like well it's that's the i think that's the the fun of it honestly of of, of an ending like that is you can have a conversation like this you know? Like it makes me think of Watchmen. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was saying to you the end, the ending of Watchmen, where it's just like, okay, all these like billions of people died, and then it's like, okay, maybe this is a good thing, and it's like, no, I am going to reveal to the world what happened, and this was from one of the heroes that was going to do this, mm-hmm. and you go, oh boy, and it's like it's, and it's and in a lot of ways, it's sort of it's got the same vibe as Watchmen, but it's almost like the reverse because it's like. You know, you kill all these people to save so many people, but Joel killed one person to save one person and sacrifice many other people that could have potentially been... Because, again, there's a lot of question marks in the whole scenario. Like, you know, there was... Could have been a cure. Like, there's probably a high chance, you know, what Ellie's, like, immune system was against the Cordyceps was a cure. Or it could have just been, like, a good step forward we don't we don't know entirely right um at the end of the day i think for me like i don't think joel or even marlene who's like the head of the fireflies i don't think either of them should have really because they were both the ones deciding for ellie because ellie was knocked out the whole time yeah see see, that was i think the show doesn't portray it like you know like no one's great no one's great but like i especially felt like marlene was just like listen this is happening or at least the way yeah. I was watching it, I don't want to yeah. like portray. The actor did a good job portraying, you know, portraying mm-hmm. that this is like a desperate situation. People have lost their lives to try to make this thing happen. Um, 
but there's a lot. There's a lot to break down with that. Uh, but yeah. as, as a whole, overall as a show, I, I, I enjoyed it overall for the most part. I think it peaked for me at episode three. Okay. The, the Bill and Frank episode. I think like that was just such a beautiful hour of television. Um, and that's not, not, not like to say, oh, the rest of the show is bad, guys. Don't watch it. No, I mean, it's just like, man. <laughs> it's A lot of it is very sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was probably the one major change overall, because everything else is more or less verbatim, the game. Whereas, like, that one moment, or episode three, was essentially like, let's do something different. Let's actually do something positive because the rest of the show is gonna, is gonna <laughs> probably make you really sad <laughs> and it was also exciting because um nick offerman i've i, I love nick offerman and i've seen him do stand-up in person nice um and i loved murray bartlett on white lotus and i thought they were fantastic in that episode obviously the whole cast on this is is, re- is really qu- is really pretty great yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, this is for future Richard. Definitely make note of like the timestamps on how long we talk about uh, the Last of Us, so I can put it in the show notes. Uh, eight minutes fifty-seven seconds. Well, that's when it ends. Also, <laughs> get when it starts. Sorry, I don't want uh, to be making demands. <laughs> He's just. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm a bossy bitch, I know. <laughs> well, I am too, so I can't say anything. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's been going on. Uh, n- not really anything in that department. Um, You know, I've been wanting to watch some other, rewatch and watch some other things that I've had in my collection. Um, But... Oh, oh, okay. This is the what I really wanted to bring up. This has to be brought up. Oh, boy. Um, so, I've known Richard for a number of years now. Oh, boy. A number a number of years. Okay. Oh, well over half a decade, right? <laughs> As, but I, 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 I never... We're, we're getting close to a decade, for sure. We are getting close to a decade. Yeah. We're pretty good. But listen, like, I have never... F- it, my... It has never become more clear. <laughs> oh no! Oh, the kind of person that he is. Now, now I get where this is going. Tim Tim Burton's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yep. <laughs> I was for a second getting. I was getting really nervous. I was like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> um, I never seen it entire in its entirety before. Uh, I'd seen bits and pieces and clips, of course. Uh, but watching it with Richard. And just it all it all clicked. My like Richard, my experience with Richard flashed before my eyes, as if I was going through a near death experience. But not near, not that I was dying. But like, oh my gosh, I have the clarity, I have the clarity of our friendship. It just all makes sense now. Everything, <laughs> everything makes sense now. Nothing like, could be, thinking, nothing could surprise you anymore. Nothing. <laughs> I was thinking about, like, well, good for you and your father. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, tap dancing Christ, that's Richard. <laughs> so guess what I want? A new brain. Now, your bike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
like I know we had talked about what like 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 if we're, if there, we were ever gonna bring Tim Burton back on the show like like by choice um what movies would we even do this was I think we talked about this after we did Edward Scissorhands because because you were just like wow <laughs> that's actually pretty damn good yeah. <laughs> what what this is weird I'm not used to this <laughs> so so then it became like well what, well, what other ones would we talk about I'm like I, I don't know what would you want to talk about and I, I know you brought up peewee so I'm like oh, okay that's probably like because there's a uh, the list has grown smaller as far as movies I would want to actively put on the show and I think that one's still on the list for sure and I was just I was I think we were just talking randomly the other day and I was like you want to watch it like we're not talking about it on the show like i mean we're talking about it now but like we're not talking about it officially on the show anytime soon but you know just so you can experience something it's silly you know just take your mind off stuff have a good time it's it's juvenile you know and uh obviously for me just because i i like a good giggle <laughs> just a good giggle every now and then and we start watching it i'm already laughing at the opening bits <laughs> and and joey's like this all makes sense now. <laughs> everything, everything that I'm seeing right now, I I get it, I get it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, but he got it, so that's cool. Because <laughs> because like the whole movie is just Pee Wee trying to you know find his bike that was stolen, but like everybody is a man child, not even like a man child, like a man toddler. Like like we're like if you're like this is there's like a level, so like. Like, at a teen level, you have, like, stepbrothers. Like, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley is, like, teenagers, like, 13-year-olds um, at that point where they're just fighting all the time and just being violent. But then you go down to the Pee-wee level, and Pee-wee's, like, he's five. <laughs> and the way he talks with, like, certain characters is, like, like he means well. Like, he's kind of annoying in, in a way, but, like, <laughs> he's just because he's, he's just mentally five years old. <laughs> so like he walks out for, for 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 instance he walks outside and uh he he says good morning to his neighbor <laughs> and he's like i'm gonna water and he's like screaming this i'm gonna water my lawn now and the neighbor's like okay and so he closes his door and he turns on a water wiggle which if you don't know what that is you have to look it up it's like a <laughs> it's like a like a looks like a nesting doll with hoses coming out of its head and it's just spraying water everywhere and it's getting the neighbor's house and the neighbor's just like what a what a cartoon! And Pee Wee just jumps and screams and goes ah ah. <laughs> it's it's magical. It's genuinely magical. Yes. Uh, and uh, I was like, well, I want to show this to Joe <laughs> just just so we can have a good time. But it turned out to be like a revelation of sorts. <laughs> and so he has he has some clarity in his life, which is nice. Like I, I feel like you had that. You experienced that when you went on the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Jungle Cruise to, it, to to me is like Pee Wee's Big Adventure to you. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like yep. It was like well, if, if we we're talking movies, it, it'd probably be Schlock was like the revelation. <laughs> Schlock's Schlock in many ways is a lot like Pee Wee in that you know John Landis is kind of annoying people. <laughs> Or like Paul Rubens is annoying people, 
<laughs> like I can't find my bike. The best the best part was when <laughs> was when he broke into the rich guy's house and he just terror and he like I remember your reaction when he locks the door <laughs> and cuz Francis is like the the villain character quote unquote. Um Francis is in this giant like bathtub even though it's a fucking swimming pool and Pee-wee is accusing him of stealing his bike, which he's right in doing so, as we find out later. Um, <laughs> he locks the door, and he's like, go ahead and scream your head off. We're miles from where anyone can hear you. <laughs> and he just leaps at him. And I think that was the moment, I believe, that was the moment that Joey knew what what this movie was for me. Yep. <laughs> like, that, that scene specifically is like, yep. Uh-huh. I think he went, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything else was just like, uh-huh, that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You would totally feed your, your pancakes, uh, Mr. <laughs> Cheese cereal. Good morning, Pee-wee! Good morning, Mr. Breakfast! <laughs> Can I have some Mr. T cereal? Okay! I pity the poor fool who don't eat my cereal. <laughs> See, now, now I want what we need to do for the disclaimer. If we, because I feel like we're agreed that we're gonna do Schlock's Big Adventure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's what it's kind of Schlock's be. Big Adventure. We need to do a disclaimer. Okay, <laughs> we're, you're obviously Pee Wee, <laughs> and I'm the I'm the Schlockthropus. Okay, Schlock. Right, and then we get we get like Gifford or Wykey as like a news anchor, like this meeting we did not know we needed, but it's here today. Good for you and your father. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen my bike? (laughs) Go ahead and scream your head off. We're miles from where anyone can hear you. But, just sh- uh, schlock, wrestle- schlock wrestling peewee uh, <laughs> I will say I, I, I don't think I ever got I, I really enjoyed the movie it was a good movie yeah, um, yeah. which we'll, we'll get more into when we when we ever when we discuss peewee's um, <laughs> sh- schlock's big adventure <laughs> <laughs> when we get to I the episode I can't wait dude that'll be a, that'll, be a, that'll be a summer blockbuster episode I think <laughs> dude you gotta use the poster of sh- uh uh, the alternate arrow cover of Schlock where he's eating popcorn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be so good. Hang on, wait. Oh my gosh. Joey's Joey's going to get something. I imagine it's the poster in question. No, it, I'm, re- oh. I'm reading... Uh, I was reading the, the tagline that's up. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Due to the horrifying nature of this of this movie, absolutely no one will be admitted to see this picture. <laughs> and then, like, the end of Pee-wee is just, like, every Warner Brothers movie right now. <laughs> no, dude, what we need, we need John to draw us as Pee-wee and Schlock. <laughs> I'm going to watch Schlock tonight, I think. After <laughs> I was going to watch a new movie and try to like watch some new- No, I'm going to nope. watch Schlock. Schlock's, uh, Schlock's happening. Just, but, to get, just uh, to get ready. 
But more important than that, how are you doing? Uh, I, I'm neutral is the word that comes to mind because I don't. I'm not like one way or the other. I'm. I, I guess I'm content. Maybe is a better word. I don't know. I'm just kind okay. of in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, my dog's gone. I guess she did leave. Uh, speaking of that, it's just me and my dog in the house right now. Yeah. Uh, my folks went for a road trip vacation. Uh, they left on Thursday and they come back Sunday. So I've been with the dog by myself this whole time. I'm surprised because I was actually really nervous to record because I thought maybe she would need something or like I would hear her crying and I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. G- give me a second. We're almost done talking. Ah, dog. Um, but she left. So she's got food downstairs. She's got water. She's good. Um, she went out twice. She went to the bathroom twice. The dog is good. <sighs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, so I just trying to find things to do. I haven't actually been in my room I'm where I, this is where I record all the time, but I'm, I actually haven't been in my room in a lot outside of just going to bed. So like it's middle of the day right now, or it's, it's start of the evening now and I'm still in my room and this is sort of weird now because I'm not used to this after the past this, like four or five days. This is funny because I haven't, I, I haven't been in the man cave like, <laughs> several days. <laughs> It's like I would like to come up here and watch some movies or something, but I just, I'm just I'm downstairs. I'm watching uh, YouTube videos and um, taking care of the dog and thinking about food. Like mm-hmm. I ate, I ate a late lunch, and so now I'm thinking about dinner. So I see what happens there. I might leave again and go get some food. But um, other than that, like I I do have a cool little uh thing that happened recently i went back to the movies for the 10th time in three years that's for myself um and if you're wondering why that's that's a a technically 11 film experiences because if you listen to the avatar episode i went and saw avatar twice um so this is 11 experiences 10 movies i've seen in theaters now um and I don't feel like I know there's a, there's usually a lot of context that goes into that whenever I have to explain it. I don't feel like doing that right now. Um, if you if you want to understand why this is like an achievement <laughs> for me, um, uh, go and listen to some past episodes. Listen to like the Batman episode, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun Maverick, um, maybe a couple earlier ones. Um, You'll get Avatar. the Avatar, yes. The, the, the Way of Water or special presentation, for sure. Yes. Um, go back and listen to those, and you'll get like the general gist of why that's such a thing. Um, but I have now seen 10 movies in theaters. I saw Scream 6, which was very good. Like, I was talking to Waiki. Waiki's turning Scream 6 into his new Avatar. He's actually seen it like three times in theaters. <laughs> Waiki's a madman. Um, that's why we love uh, him. That's why we love him. Also, shout out to Waiki. He had a film premiere for his movie Finals Week recently. Yes. And that looked like it was so much fun. Um, it's it's exciting, especially he's, the movie's done, and I can't wait to watch it whenever you know it's available. I hope he sends me a copy, Waiki. Um, <laughs> so, sign it. If you want... We should have a special presentation of, of Finals Week. Oh, we have to. We have to have a Spinal... Listen, <laughs> Waiki, you're listening to this episode. I know it. Um, well, at least I hope you are. Hi. Um, we'll, we'll do a Finals Week uh, special presentation to help put the word out for that episode, for that movie. So, yeah. Um, 
but no, uh, I watched Scream Six in theaters. Uh, I got I was able to fina- uh, finagle something, especially given that movie's kicking ass right now. Like you know, it's making tons of money. But then a lot, there's a lot of things people want to see right now, which is really cool. Which it feels it feels new, which is so weird. a lot of a lot of like s- mid budget like, yeah things like yeah. not things that cost like. Three hundred million dollars. Not like Disney Marvel movies or like superhero movies. Like I like like there's some coming out still, obviously. But like I feel like I feel more people are going to like Creed three or Scream Cocaine six, Bear. Cocaine Bear, that Jesus Revolution movie. Um, you know those movies are doing pretty well for themselves. So I'll I'll, I'll you know pat on the back. Yeah, yes. good good job, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a good sign as well. Yes. But yep. Uh, I watched Scream 6. It was so fun. I don't want to say a single word about it other than I liked it because for one very specific reason, this is a massive spoiler for Halloween, not that I haven't spoiled this already, but we have a Scream episode coming up, which is uh, maybe a part one of two, depending on uh, how long this newer series lasts. Um, But I... And I get nervous about this every time I go on Twitter, but I want to do an episode with Joey where we talk about at least at first the Wes Craven sequels, which yeah. we have planned for Halloween. And I see so many spoilers for those movies on Twitter that I'm like, Oh God, I want to like this, but I can't cause Joey's going to see it. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm actually like trying to like hold off from like anything. Cause I know it's a while before we do that episode. Right. Um, so it's probably near impossible, especially given that a new scream came out, and so obviously that brings up a lot of conversation about all the past movies, which is exact, yeah. which is exactly what the movie did for me because like I went back and I watched the other ones, and I'm like, I love these movies. I just feel like it was just another like Tuesday for like. <laughs> it's like someone reminds me, hey, scream is a thing, and I'm like, I'm glad it is. <laughs> I'm so glad it is. Um, and it's, it's nice that even like the ones that aren't as good as some, as the other movies are still like entertaining. Um, and it's just a, it's just a fun film series. And I'm glad that now that Wes Craven is gone, um, and they found people that genuinely want to do right by the characters and the film and, and tell good stories and continue that franchise. And, uh, so I, I had a really good time with that new one and, it's uh, it's not perfect. There's some moments that I'm like, eh, but at the, at the end of the day, I was just enjoying it the whole time, just sitting there watching. I was having such a fun time. Um, so, uh, shout out to Radio Silence, uh, great filmmakers who did such a great job with Scream, and I, I hope they do a seventh. You know, we'll see what happens next. Cause like, that's that's the thing about the Scream movies is that each of them sort of deals with some sort of because because they're sat they're satires they're not like just straightforward horror movies so like the first one is horror movies the second one is about sequels the third one's about trilogies the fourth one's about remakes the fifth one's about reboots and my phone just went off so you're gonna hear a vibration (laughs) and the recent ones like uh it kind of dabbles with like franchises and so it's like, well, where do you go next? Like conclusions, like, like, is like all the ghost faces gonna show up in the seventh one? Like we actually didn't die, <laughs> so, so uh, it's gonna be like the rise of Skywalker, but it's just gonna be a bunch of ghost faces. I'm just imagining Matthew Lillard. <laughs> 
Which, uh, that would be that would be kind of funny, actually. I feel like they would do that just despite the rise of Skywalker. Just all the ghost faces, just ah, <laughs> <laughs> just charging after um, the new main character or something. But uh, but whatever. it's like so. But there's so many of them, and it's like it's like when people say, "Oh, if you look closely in this frame of Rise of Skywalker, there's the Starship Enterprise," and it's just like Michael, like Michael Myers is in the background somewhere. It's like Jason's around there, Freddy's somewhere, freaking Chucky's somewhere. It's just Norman it's, Bates. Norman Bates, but it, he's dressed as his mom. <laughs> Leatherface. So that's another, oh, that's another movie I can't wait to talk about. Is Psycho. Psycho's fantastic, so love love that movie. I can't wait till we can just we do have it planned, but yeah, be a second. But yeah. um, uh, anyway, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we? Uh, actually, I want to bring my cholesterol down. Really, I don't want to bring anything else up. Really, so <laughs> if you guys can help me with that, just bring it down. <laughs> no, All right. Um, I don't, no, not nothing really. Oh, you know what? I, I didn't tell you this, but uh, since we're talking, I might as well tell you this. Um, I bought a movie today. <gasps> I am speechless right now. <laughs> I didn't real. Uh, I don't know if he's acting for the microphone or he actually feels this way, but I'm happy of the you, reaction you regardless. You don't under. <laughs> well, listen. Okay, so I just You're... I I just showed him. I bought. The 4K Steelbook uh, Best Buy exclusive of Ron, the Akira Kurosawa movie, <laughs> which I I feel like I has been kind of out of out of print for a little bit because Best Buy just yes. didn't have it. Right. Um, but what was funny is I I went to Best Buy today when I was on my way to get some lunch and I was like I want to see if they threw because sometimes Best Buy will just like have some stuff restocked every now and then and I saw this on the shelf for twenty bucks and I'm like. I, I missed my chance last time this was available, so I, I'm gonna get it, and uh, I I'm excited to watch it. So I think you'll I mean because like obviously I know you you liked Seven Samurai and the other Kurosawa's that we, we've discussed mm -hmm. uh, before, but I think you'll like this one because it's in color and it's <laughs> wide, it's widescreen, and not to like simplify your right. wants and you know in a movie, <laughs> not to, not to really... say that I'm a a basic bitch, even though it's kind of true. I, listen, I'm a basic bitch in my own way, too, dude. One of my favorite movies, Casablanca. How fucking original. Pee-wee schlock. <laughs> listen. That's fair. This is fair. This, this, is, this fair. is just... this. Listen, not to, to, to quote the title of the hit NBC show, this is us. This is us. Starring uh, cursed actor Milo. I don't know his last name. <laughs> but, but he's in Cursed. <laughs> yes. Also, um, a Wes Craven movie. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah, Ron. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually seeing that like posted in a bunch of like film, like like uh, Reddit forums that I'm a part of, like um, like people like people are saying it's restocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people were like, uh, I saw like that's been like a lot of I've been seeing that. By the way, that Steelbook cover is so beautiful. It's so nice, um, dude. Um, not to keep going on to this because I, I do want to talk about our movies, but um, apparently when I was going to check out, uh, the, the cashier at Best Buy was like, uh, some guy literally just bought five copies of this. <laughs> so I'm like, fucking scalpers. 
<laughs> guarantee like maybe one copy was for him he's gonna sell four on ebay for like 50 bucks each mm-hmm. thanks guy you're doing a society justice eh. <laughs> but i also own the yeah. um i i bought that one a couple of times i have the out of print criterion dvd mm-hmm. um and it's one of those like thick dvds where it's like like the, five discs or something disc, no it's it's two discs but it's like each disc is like in a separate thing kind of oh sure. like like are you talking about like the, like the old school ones that are like fat boys and like it's got like fat. a sleeve like a little like I'll, paper sleeve or something i'll show I, i'll, I'll show well, we'll, later, we'll get but, to that later but <laughs> um at, at ron's great and I'm, I'm very excited for you but this week um <laughs> as we get, get to the point 32 minutes in <laughs> You know what? A we, lot, a lot's happened in our lives. We didn't even talk about. Happened. We didn't even talk about the Oscars, but you know, it's what it is. Congratulations to all I, the people that won. I, I, I'm very, very happy. Very happy. Elvis was snubbed. Um, <laughs> Elvis. Elvis. It, it should have won for best documentary feature because clearly it is a documentary. I was pissed that Elvis didn't get best animated short. <laughs> that made me so angry. Best inter. <laughs> come on, best international feature. Elvis was stayed at the international. All quite the Western Front's in like the Western Front. Yeah, that's Germany. a different. That's a completely different location. Uh, come on, that's not international. <laughs> that's not the international. <laughs> what are you doing? No, but in all seriousness, congrats to all, all the winners. You know, all the nominees. It, it was yes. actually a really cool ceremony. But we're going to talk about um, Del Toro movies. movies. De- Guillermo Del Toro is obviously he was Del Toro, as we've said before on our show. He is the the center of the two dudes Venn diagram, like point in the middle, like like there's like directly, like once you look at it, he will be perfectly in the middle. Like if you mashed us together, it would probably not look like Guillermo Del Toro, but it'd probably be like Guillermo Del Toro as far as like <laughs> what we would want in a movie. Yeah, it's just uh, just. It, it would, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There, There is a picture of a, our faces, like, mush, jochered, I think it's referred to as. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and then there's Gifkey for Wikey and Gifford. That, that's a fun, that was, that's a fun, anyway. But uh, <laughs> Del Toro, obviously, is one of our favorite filmmakers, and obviously, obviously Two Dudes Hall of Famer. We talked about his, you know, his Spanish language um, movies mm-hmm. on Shape our of Water. Show. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, of course. Um, and there's still other ones that we got to we got to talk about. We also have another Del Toro episode coming up that we're not going to talk about. Mm-mm. Somebody else is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll keep you posted on the details I'm actually, soon. I'm actually very excited about that. Uh, do, guys, you have no idea how hyped we are. <laughs> so hyped that we are still delaying what we're going to talk about this week, even though you probably got the impression from the title. Uh, so listen, uh, listen. I'm going to. Um, I'm just going to say it like this. Okay. Um, if you are somebody who's expecting a flat-out horror movie, but are do, are do not like gothic romances, then beware of Crimson Peak. <laughs> Which just, I'm just picturing you as a as like a a black ghost with like a dress on. Now you look good. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see, but Joey's twitching right now. <laughs> I'm like contorting my body. I'm trying to be Doug Jones. <laughs> L- listen, um, Crim- uh, Crimson Peak. It's one of those things. I don't like to say like, oh, I'm proud to go to the movies. This is one of those movies. I'm proud to say I saw this 
opening opening weekend, that Friday, I saw it with my brother and another friend of his, and they were disappointed by it because they wanted it to be a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> you know what though? It's not entirely their fault. Marketing kind of screwed this movie a little bit. It did. Yeah. Cause like even Del Toro was like, I don't get it. <laughs> like this isn't a horror movie. And uh, you know what I always liked? Like speaking of that, I was kinda I was probably gonna save this for like a little bit after towards the end of the conversation, but I think it's appropriate even now. But uh mm-hmm. um one of my favorite things Del Toro said in an interview with Mike Flanagan when they when they had uh Cabinet of Curiosities and Midnight Mass, or not Midnight Mass, but a uh, Midnight Club on Netflix. Um, Del Toro was saying that he always liked the aesthetics of horror, but not so much the mechanics. And I think what he means by that is horror is very much uh, a medium in which you know we have monsters like we have Dracula or Frankenstein or any of these other guys, and they're the bad guys. Del Toro has monsters that aren't the bad guys. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's probably why he has such a f- appreciation for something like Frankenstein, because the Frankenstein monster, which is essentially the iconic figure of that story, is not a bad guy, is not a villain. He's a tragic figure. Or even, like, the Beauty and the Beast narrative, which he used for Shape of Water, the Beast is not the villain. It's Gaston. It's Michael Shannon. It's the it's the, the sort of hero character, the square jaw uh, hero guy. Yeah. Avignon from the... Uh... From from the um, <laughs> the Jean Cocteau version, <laughs> so like I feel like you know when I hear him talk about something like like the mechanics versus the aesthetics, um, I feel like that's been something that's so prevalent in a lot of his work, and that the monsters typically are not the bad guys, like like even in even in our second movie we have like the character that's treated like a beast, but even that character is a is a poor soul. And the monster is really like the person, you know what I mean? Yes. And so I feel like that's sort of a, a main mechanic you see a lot. And I think that is very true even for this because the monsters are more of like a metaphor, as is said in the story. <laughs> um, the monsters are more of a metaphor for the past and the past haunting you and coming back and biting you in the ass. And uh, especially when you do terrible things and karma and whatnot. Though I think I think the prime thing that I, I would I would categorize with this movie is we both love this movie. And I'll say this in the opposite direction, I think, for the second for our second feature, that I feel like this movie leans me maybe a, a, a tinge more. I think that's fair absolutely fair to say. We both I know we're both huge fans of this, but I think I think that's a fair. I think when I do the Instagram tags in my thing, I'm gonna tag you in something in Crimson Peak. <laughs> yeah, inevitably. And I've been trying to get this on the show for the for a while. Not that it was hard, but it was just hard to figure out what to pair it with until it was like, duh, <laughs> it just made sense. Um, but yeah, Crimson Peak, I I have such a admiration and love and connection with this movie because this movie has like everything that i love like sappy romances um like uh, intriguing mysteries and motherfucking haunted houses and ghosts i love all that shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's me and and the ghosts are colorful there's like a red ghost there's a white ghost there's a black ghost there's a baby ghost there's a baby ghost there's like um a whole creepy freaking house like 
it's got a great cast and man there's a there's a lot to admire about this one <laughs> it is like like the, the money is clearly on the screen mm. like oh what a it's a gorgeous movie and i think that's one of the things that i really like about this movie um a lot of modern horror is mo- it takes place in the modern era right so like yeah. there's a production design aspect to it but it's a different sort of thing cuz you're like you're you're you know you're dealing more with today whereas a lot of the old horror movies would take place you know cuz a lot of like stu- like, like period universal pieces. Had the old period pieces cuz the universal had yeah. like the european like village set and they use that for a bunch of movies and i love i love that aesthetic oh, you know yeah. like just, just just like whether it's like you know like a bavarian village or like a gothic a gothic castle or, or whatever you know I, I always i always just like that um oh yeah that whole that whole vibe um but like listen like aesthetics are one thing but it's like you have a good story and i think it's got a pretty compelling story genuinely uh so essentially here's the gist of the story so we have edith who's played by mia wasikowska returning to the show um she uh wants to be a writer she's determined to be a writer like and she has written this whole book she's essentially like it makes obviously it makes me think a lot of uh, little women because mm-hmm. you know saoirse ronan in that film uh is writing the little women book um yes <laughs> women have minds and so i can't do i can't do that performance but <laughs> you get the gist of it um see i was just thinking about on twitter women <laughs> oh my god um so so edith wants to be a writer um though she she unfortunately as as you know is evident during that time period and you know even you know in today's age sadly uh her gender works against her so like she turns in a book to get published and um they think it's cute it's like this cute okay but you know maybe maybe some kissing you know Maybe a little bit of kissing, and she's like, I, "I don't, I don't want kissing. <laughs> like, I just don't." It's like, "Why do you have ghosts in here?" Because it's metaphor. It's like metaphor, but like, I love the way um, he said, like, and she has that thing, and he says metaphor, like he's surprised she knows what that means. Metaphor. <laughs> oh, that's a big word. <laughs> it's like what a dick. <laughs> but um, uh, so. That's unfortunately she's she she wants to get it published, but she's trying to figure out a way to to get that done uh, without uh, revealing her gender. Unfortunately, um, which sucks that she has to do that. But she's she wants it published, so she's going to try to do whatever she can. Um, right. In walks Sir Thomas Sharp, played by another returnee, Tom Hiddleston. <sighs> Woo! Woo, Loki! Only lovers, um, only lovers left alive. Only reunion. lovers left alive reunion. Hey, where's Tilda in this movie? Tilda, listen, if this movie was made like 10, 15 years earlier, Tilda would be the Jessica Chastain character. Yeah, which, nothing, listen, Jessica Chastain steals the show, honestly, but. Where is her Oscar nomination? Listen, yes, Tony. Colette needed one for Hereditary. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Not, no question. Lupita Nyong'o for us, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. No question. Jessica Chastain? Jessica Chastain. Where the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Where's the nomination, even? I, I'd be fine with the nomination. At least the nomination. For this, 
for, for at least because for this kind of movie, you know, it's like, okay, if you're nominating that's like basically winning it. Cause you're like, okay, we recognize this enough that it made it. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least you could have nominated, but, but, uh, sharp. Mm, yes. Uh, the sharp family, my dog just showed up. So she's, I apologize. <laughs> I hope she doesn't need anything. Are you, you, okay? you never need to, you never need to apologize for Allie. A little, little Allie Bobo. How you doing? I'm almost, uh, we're still talking dog. I'm so sorry, folks. My dog is here. I hope she's okay. <laughs> so, thank you. Do you hear that? You're getting applause. Oh, okay. Uh, she, uh, oh, she's stretching. <laughs> this, this is a whole section of the podcast now. Um, this is staying in. <laughs> what you need? Do you need something? What you need? Oh, okay. She's just gonna roll around. Um, so the Sharp family. <laughs> um, you have Thomas Sharp. And uh, he's 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 kind of an aristocratic kind of guy. He's proper. He's got a nice suit. It's a little tattered, but you know. And um, he he comes with a proposal because Edith's father is like like one of the main like construction guys in the in this little like area that they live in. And uh, Sharp uh, Thomas wants to pitch uh, this machine that he's building. To help uh, with construction, but they don't respect Thomas all that much because he, he they they look at him and they're like, "Oh, you come from money. You're British. You you come from money. You're wealthy. Um, you have your hand. You're, you didn't come from hardworking Americans, you know, who built this country with their hands." Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, so they're essentially like. Nah, we're not going to help you because everyone else said no, so we're not going to trust this. And um, but Thomas stays because he 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 kind of gets a liking to uh, Edith. He's like, she's pretty. She seems smart. I liked her story. I might stay around. Now, now of course, uh, uh, there is a more mysterious aspect to the Sharp family. It's Jessica Chastain's character. She. Uh, She's she's got some she's got some sinisterness to her the moment you see her because she's just playing the piano and you're like she's killed people <laughs> mm. <laughs> like like you look at her you're like she's killed people I could I could like yes. I don't need any any hints <laughs> I didn't know she's killed people <laughs> um so basically when we get that initial meeting with Jessica Chastain and the sort of distrust of Tom Hiddleston's character. Uh, from the fought from Edith's dad. That's when he's like, "I want to look into these people because there's something, there's something off about them." Um, also, I should I should mention uh, Charlie Hunnam's character. Charlie Hunnam back on the show once again as well. Another returnee. Love Charlie Hunnam. Uh, he plays another kind, wonderful person like he does in Pacific Rim, though not and almost as badass, but for different reasons. Like he's more like Sherlock Holmes badass. Dude, I was saying this to you when we were watching it. I'm like, he's like if Gaston were a good guy. <laughs> like if Gaston read books and was a good guy. <laughs> like clearly Edith is like, ooh, I'm interested in, in, in Tom Hiddleston. Ooh, mysterious. But like Charlie Hunnam is like clearly like, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Hey, listen. And some people might disagree with me with that, but listen. Charlie Hunnam is great. He's, I love him in this movie. He's jet. Listen. He's another one of those actors I could see us easily putting 
in the Hall of Fame because we just he probably would be he's like no question I've yet to like watch anything I've seen him in and say he's I've genuinely loved him in everything I've seen him in I love him on uh I haven't finished Sons of Anarchy but I loved him on that too he's great in the gentleman Mm, yes he yes yes so I like even though King Arthur wasn't like a great movie he's very good in that he understood he understands the assignment he does yeah is the important thing um but Yes, continue. Oh, continue. Yeah, so, so he's like the other guy, essentially. But he doesn't try to like. He's he's just trying to be like a caring shoulder for Le- for Edith whenever she needs it. Like he's not trying yes. to pursue her romantically or anything. But like he's a good friend. Um, but there's always that talk of like maybe those two could get together. Like it's kind of there, but I don't even think Charlie Hunnam's character would be like. Yes, I think he's just like he just likes being around her. Like that's yes, that's the vibe sure. I get, honestly. So we learn there is, in fact, a secret to the Sharp family. We don't know what it is yet, but the dad f- finds it out and says, I will pay you guys money to get the fuck out of my town. <laughs> the dad, by the way, played by Jim Beaver. Jim uh, Beaver, yes. Um, who, his na- there's no name that matches uh, what a person looks like <laughs> than Jim Beaver. <laughs> so accurate i look at him and i go <laughs> that's jim it's beaver almost like it also like subconsciously i'm like this dude's name has to be jim beaver <laughs> so like clearly edith's last name's actually beaver because he can't have whatever name he has in the movie he's not he's not whatever i don't remember what it is but he's he's jim uh, beaver cushing cushing yes uh, uh edith cushing yes why, why did i forget that because it's especially because we were pointed out in the it, when we were watching it too. <laughs> like, how do you forget that? Uh, but yeah, but, he, but he's he's also one of those actors that's like he's great. He's at Deadwood. Um, yeah, the boys. Um, he's he's in so many things. Honestly, like he was on that show, The Ranch, a couple episodes that I watched. Um, he was on oh the the Sam Elliott, um, yeah, the Sam Elliott show? like yeah, yeah. Ashton Kutcher one. Um. He's in a lot of things, but he's very good. He's in our second movie. Yes. Yeah. We get listen. This is a Jim Beaver extravaganza, as well as a, a Guillermo del Toro extravaganza. Jim Beaver appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 one of my favorite parts is when he's like, like he's in the meeting with Tom Hiddleston, and he's just like, all of us had to work hard to get here. I mean, this guy, he's a lawyer, but even he can't help that. <laughs> this guy's a lawyer, but even he can't help that. Feel my hands, <laughs> rough. And I, a side of that shows you who I am. I don't know what he says verbatim, but like, no, neither neither do I. But your I hands are the smoothest hands that I've ever felt. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, so he he finds out the secret of the Sharp family and basically pays pays um, Tom Hiddleston to not only uh, leave town with his sister, but to also break Edith's heart and just end it right there. Um, so he does all of that, and it clearly hurts him, and he leaves, not without leaving a note saying, "Hey, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I was that wasn't true. I like, you know, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's more, it's a lot more elaborate and more well worded than that, but that's essentially it. Um, but also, something genuinely tragic happens. Uh, someone goes in and and kills Jim Beaver, brutally." Smashes his head on the corner of a porcelain sink. Like, his head caves in. Like, that's the one thing you'll... Like, like Del Toro... Like, if we haven't expressed this enough in other uh, episodes with his films, 
is violent. <laughs> but not like in the excessive sense, in the he knows exactly when to hit those notes and when to hit them hard. And when he hits them, at no point is it like a weak spot. It's always like, boom! And you're like, oh god. <laughs> I think about, like, that's one of the hardest scenes I think in his entire filmography to watch. Is that the, the, the sink bit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it it sticks with me, and I I think about like the um, it makes it also calls back to me like in Pan's Labyrinth when the cat when Captain Vidal has the bottle and bashes it mm. in the, in the one guy's one guy's face. He likes to cave um, in like heads a lot in his movies. You notice that he does that kind of in the yeah. in the second one too. He does. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I don't th- like you bring up the violence. I don't think I I mean I think about like it being dark. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the violence, I don't, I think of this in some ways secondary, but I think I definitely noticed it more this time around and also I think, visiting our second feature. I think that's definitely like I, where I differ in, in, cause like I always think about it in that, you know, cause I mean, I think it's just cause I watch so many like horror movies and violence, not that you don't obviously, but, um, when I think about violence in, uh, in cinema and like the way it's portrayed, you know, obviously there's kind of certain levels to it. There's something like you pull back a little bit more. Sometimes you go a little bit hard. You can be excessive. You can be, uh, for lack of a better term, playful. <laughs> but like, I think what Del Dor- what what I appreciate about Del Toro, and I said this to you when we were watching both movies, I think, but I appreciate the way he depicts sex and violence, which is obviously such a hot button topic whenever we talk about movies. Um, and I won't, I won't, dabble in this too much so don't worry (laughs) no no i mean listen it's what it is um but no like i think what he does is that he he doesn't shy away from it and he he's honest about it but he also understands like especially when it comes to the violent aspect of it you know you're watching a movie sometimes people come to watch movies maybe for the more violent aspects but you also want them to be like oh god like you want them to feel it when it happens or like when when characters are making love, you want th- you want them to feel the emotion that the characters are feeling, you know. And so, what better way to do that than by just being honest about it, you know? Like yeah. if you're gonna bash a guy's head on the side of a sink, I'm pretty sure it's most likely gonna do what it does in this movie, versus like you know how it's usually portrayed in everything else, you know. You know, I I like. I, I appreciate that about him, and I think that's something that I've always, and even to you know, this movie, our next movie, like I think that's a pretty common thread throughout a lot of his films. Like obviously, you got to pull back based on the rating and stuff, so you got to be smart about that. But I think when he has that chance to really let the let himself be that truthful with it, he goes for it, and so. I think I've seen like a lot of the violent scenes in this film or in uh, Nightmare Alley or Shape of Water especially like and he doesn't like uh, you know, uh go ahead go ahead no I, I think I think for me it's like it's very specific instances because yeah. I think I'm like I'm more taken aback by like like the world building the production design but there are very like like in like shape of water you have the, the fingers i think about uh michael shannon's fingers mm-hmm. is like it's like maybe like in each one of his movies there might be like one specific thing that i i can think of mm-hmm. you know obviously like we're going to get to our second feature but obviously this one like the sink scene i had to look you i had to look away i'm like no yeah. like i'm not doing this i can't see jim beaver you know no especially was, not jim beaver 
I was like Edith. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> not Jim Beaver. No, damn it. <laughs> the bastard who did this is gonna have hell to pay. Scare one little Damn it. Um, but no, I, I. There's oh, like, and also you're bringing up rating too. This is a rated R movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, just it was also just anyway. Yeah. No, like when when he has that opportunity, like obviously, like I think Guillermo del Toro's a genius in all those facets. But like, it's I think the more I've watched his movies, the more I just gotten to a point too where like I can still love and appreciate all that stuff. But then there's all these other things that come into play that mm-hmm. I feel like he sure. does so well, and so that's I think where where I sort of come from in that. Um, that's fair. And uh, no one does it like him. <laughs> Let's be honest. No, and clearly. So, but anyway, so uh, uh, Jim Beaver's dead. Uh, he's he's been he's been crushed quite literally, uh, and um, that gives the Sharps ample opportunity to to scoop up Edith and bring him back to their house uh, at Arendale. Is it Arendale Hall? I, I think it's Allerdale. Allerdale. Um, well, it's it's really called. Can I get a drum roll? Okay, I'll wait. This might be a delayed, dramatic thing, but I wanted... It's really called... Crimson Peak. Beware of Crimson Peak! (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, the reason it's called that is because the house is sinking. And um, there's like a clay mine that's like blood red almost that sits underneath the foundation of the house, which is where, you know, obviously they're doing a lot of digging. So uh, the house essentially every year is like sinking further and further into the ground. And like a lot of the clay runs through the pipes and it bleeds out of the walls, which is very unnerving to see. (laughs) Like you're just Mm -hmm. in the kitchen making eggs and then the wall just starts bleeding. You're like, I don't see that every day. No. I'll see that every day. Um, so now Edith is a sharp. Edith is married. Edith is married to Thomas. And she's in the house. Um, Thomas is working on his uh, big engine digger thing that he was talking about earlier. But again, there's some secrets in this house. And it's only until Edith starts seeing ghosts, which I probably should have led with this. Um, Edith is haunted by the ghost of her mom. As Joey, as Joey uh, portrayed numerous times in this episode. Can you do it one more time for us, please? Beware of Crimson Peak. <laughs> At that, that time, like, while you were doing the, like, uh, contorting, you Contor- were, like, you were, like, rubbing your arm like you're cold. <laughs> like, I'm so cheesy. I'm so cold. Uh, <laughs> I need heat. Um, anyway, so, so Edith, I, apo- I apologize to everyone, <laughs> especially to my poor dog over here. <laughs> Woof! Oh dang! <laughs> you okay? Okay, she's good. Um, All right. So, <laughs> um, she sees the ghost for mom, and every time she sees. Uh, her, 
she brings that warning beware of crimson peak or you know beware of crimson you know and <laughs> so basically when she finds out that the house is called crimson peak and uh she starts seeing the ghosts of people who've died in the house that starts raising some red flags <laughs> and uh joey what what are some of those uh what 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 do we find out about this uh about this family about this house we find out that Guillermo del Toro is a well, freak. Yes. <laughs> and well, we love him. Yes, yes, we love him for that. We love him. Mm-hmm. the haunted mansion fanboy that he is. Yes, uh, which this is the closest thing we're going to get to a, haunt, a Guillermo del Toro haunted mansion movie. Let's that's let's just, let's just that's just the truth, and that's probably part of my it. enjoyment out of it too. <laughs> um, the best Disney theme park movie. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, as we find out that Guillermo Toro wanted to make an episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> because incest. Incest has returned to our show as well. Welcome back. We, listen, we have, we documented, we, we looked through the entire catalog of, of movies we've discussed. Star Wars being one of these things. So early on, we listen. It it was surprising to find out how much incest has actually been on our show. House of the Dragon, <laughs> and if you think about it scientifically, the Lion King. <laughs> oh my god! Listen, we don't support incest. It's weird. Don't do it. <laughs> House of the Dragon. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Listen, um, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't. Please don't. Um, but yes, but, uh, but yeah, incest. Incest. Um, so what we learn is that um, Tom Hiddleston, and Jessica Chastain, brother and sister, um, killed their mom and basically took everything and became and uh, became lovers. And in in order to sustain that taboo love that they have for each other. Um, that meant they needed some capital and some money and all that stuff, which meant, uh, it, they, they, they could go the traditional route and, and, and go to people like Edith's father, Mr. Cushing and be like, Hey, you know, do you think you can, you know, help finance this machine we're building or go the old, uh, uh, evil widow route, like the black widow route. And, uh, we're going to bury someone, then kill them and take their money. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Positive role models all around. <laughs> so yippee skippy! Yay! It's such a happy thing, isn't it? Incest and murder—two great things—and thievery, and and fake marriages. It's, it's the whole package. <laughs> the the whole whole package is there. So some shit some shit goes down. Uh, the tea has been poisoned. Uh, she's been drinking tea. Um, Edith. Edith has been drinking poisoned tea. Yes. So, tea. Uh, basically, they're trying to steal the the Cushing money away from Edith. Um, however, there's a bit of a, a cog in a uh, two cogs, specific cogs in this, or two specific um, blocks in the cogs, if you will. Um, one of those blocks being that Charlie Hunnam knows, and Charlie Hunnam gonna take care of business. So he's gonna he's gonna get to that house 
and he's going to take Edith and he's going to take her away from those crazy people. The other one, Tom Hiddleston, might actually be in love this time. Like, fuck. Okay. All right. That's per- okay. Um, so, because this whole time, Tom Hiddleston's only known the love of one person. His sister. <laughs> Not Tom Hiddleston, the, the character. It's Tom Hiddleston's character. I don't want to make any accusations about Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Beware of Richard's accusations. Tom Hiddleston needs to stop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, I'm sure you're a lovely individual. I, I, I like you in this movie. Good job, sir. Um, anyway, so <laughs> Tom Hiddleston's character, Thomas Sharp, um, is realizing that uh, he doesn't actually love his sister. And his sister is a loon. Because as as she says to Edith when she when Edith finally finds out, like they did all of this for love, yeah, they needed to do it for money so they can sustain their weird existence. But she actually genuinely loved her brother in that way, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And she's willing yeah. to kill for it, and she's willing to steal for it. Tom Hiddleston doesn't want to do that anymore, right? And so he tries to right his wrongs. That unfortunately leads to him getting killed by his sister. And so then it's a final showdown with Edith and Jessica Chastain. Who's what's her character's name? Why do I? I'm, I'm not remembering it right Lucille? now. Lucille. Lucille. Oh no, because you know what? She also could be. If if Edith wasn't named Edith, I would have called. Her. <laughs> I, I kept thinking that while I was watching because I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, I thought Jessica Chastain was Edith this whole time. But yes, Lucille. Thank you so much because that's that's been hurting my brain. Lucille Sharp. <laughs> So now, now I don't have to accuse anyone of, of incest <laughs> unintentionally. Um, so not again, anyway. Not again. Jessica Chastain, stop it! <laughs> again. Beware <laughs> Stop it! Okay? Stop it! Um, okay. But yeah, so... Um, Jessica Chastain, Lucille Sharp, um, goes on a rampage. We learn that they've killed at least three or four people, including Lucille's own child that she had with her brother because it was born wrong, as she said. And it's 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 essentially like like a soap opera twisty thing with ghosts and haunted. Listen, my, even the incest part is such a weirdly fun aspect of this whole movie but it's just like i remember watching it in theaters going because without getting too descriptive sorry i'm drinking a soda at the same time uh without getting too descriptive like there's that whole bit when edith walks upstairs and we see thomas and lucille engaged in things uh upstairs in like a bedroom and i remember seeing that moment and going huh but i didn't immediately think it was incest until that bit when uh like she's holding edith at the you know that uh, by the stairs and she's gonna push her off uh, like the second floor or whatever the, by the balcony and he's like and she's like he's not your brother you're not you're not sibling she's like well guess what we are <laughs> push <laughs> you're like what 
<laughs> That's your brother! <laughs> Lucille, stop! <laughs> stop it, Lucille! <laughs> well, eventually she does. She uh, does, because she, she gets killed. <laughs> she does get killed. She gets that a whole, shovel to the head. That whole third act is so glorious. But also, like, we forgot to mention, too, Charlie Hunnam gets stabbed. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Hunnam makes it, but then, like, he tries to, re- like, after Edith found out about the, the incest, Charlie Hunnam comes in and he's like, they've been, they've been poisoning you and they killed all these people for their, for their wealth. And he's like, I'm going to take you out of here. And then, uh, freaking Edith stabs him in the arm, or not Edith. See, see, you were right. Um, uh, Lucille. Richard, stop it! <laughs> Joey, stop it! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> stop it right now! <laughs> don't start it. <laughs> Joey, don't start it. Uh, <laughs> his look right now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam gets stabbed. In the pit. Oh! Right in the armpit, which that makes my wing go a little bit. <laughs> that one that one gets Richard's, me. R- Richard's doing the chicken dance right now. Like uh, half a chicken dance, really. Yes. But, but he gets stabbed, but what's also really cool, and this is where you fully understand that maybe Tom Hiddleston's character... Thomas Sharp. so bad. <laughs> Thomas Sharp. <laughs> Just stop it. stop it right now! Thomas Sharp is like, hey, uh, where, where, where will this not kill you? Where will this not be fatal? Where you have, like, a chance? He's like, yeah, and right Charlie Hunt's like, right. Because Charlie Hunnam is a is a doctor. Yeah. This is where that comes into <laughs> we, play. We didn't guys. we didn't it's we didn't lead with that. <laughs> we just said he was cool. Also, he's a doctor. Charlie um, Hunnam, keep doing. <laughs> keep doing the thing. Keep doing it, dude. I swear. Keep doing it now. Uh, but you know, so obviously he's, he he sticks around. He's alive, which is nice. Yes. But also, this this whole thing is just a maddening series of like. People getting stabbed, getting hit with shovels, things being gruesome. Uh, I think my the thing where I was like, uh, like a the, uh, I might have been the one person in the theater when like you see the ghost because Tom Hiddleston does die. Yes, he, get, he gets stabbed in the, the cheek bone. Mm-hmm. When when he pulls that out too, you're like, <laughs> stop it. Yeah, that's that's a pretty gruesome part. And then like later on, you see him as a ghost, but he looks like like if you're a Del Toro fan, you're immediately like devil's back that looks like devil's backbone mm. like, santi yeah. yes yes mm-hmm. uh, and i was like i was like i know what that is <laughs> i get that reference del toro you keep doing it <laughs> never stop <laughs> um but I, I i love that and i love you know, oh ghosts ghosts are real this much i love blah. yes yeah <laughs> I, I love the ghost of Jessica Chastain playing. The, very much makes you think of like the haunted mansion. Yeah, well, that's that was. I think well, we joked about it a little bit, obviously, but that was sort of like a big through point because there was this movie came out after there was all this talk that Guillermo del Toro was going to reboot the haunted mansion. Because remember that like little teaser poster thing that came out that was like the yeah. Hatbox Ghost, and it had like the 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 logo for Haunted Mansion it said HM mm-hmm. and. 
uh del toro himself has has claimed that he is a big disney nut and he's he's has his bleak house which he's modeled certain rooms after the haunted mansion he has a replica of the hatbox ghost in his bleak house so and uh i mean there's also being a disney he i've also seen pictures of him and ryan gosling at uh radiator springs racers <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, like, like he knows, like all these. Obviously, he's up familiar with like, Yale Gracie, Mark Davis. You know, Raleigh Crump. You know, all those dudes. Uh, on that also, note, by the way, yes, yeah. You, you rest in ahead. peace, rest in peace, Raleigh Crump. Uh, truly, a hugely important figure for many of Disney's most iconic attractions. Dude, you know, listen, the Tiki Room. Dude is heavily responsible for giving me one of my favorite things in the world, which is the Haunted Mansion. Right, so toast yes. to you, my friend. Uh, so he's he's a big he's a big part of that. Um, you know, he's lived in like 90 something, man, Damn. That was, that's wild, <clears throat> but, uh, may he rest in peace. But anyway, Del Toro is a huge Haunted Mansion fan. We're mm -hmm. talking about that. Um, so then like, there's no secret that Del Toro tends to like be attached to projects and then it just kind of doesn't happen. Um, but I, I, I always like to think that filmmakers don't just let ideas die altogether and so mm -hmm. like they'll bring him on to another project which is so many filmmakers have said like well you know i wanted to do this for this movie but we didn't get to do it so i brought it over to this and it made sense right. here so i imagine to many respects a lot of what we see in haunted mansion which there's inspiration from a lot of things like i think of the innocence um with mm -hmm. with uh deborah carr which is in the criterion collection by the way great movie and mm -hmm. There's a lot of imagery, especially the scenes uh, when Edith is walking around in the nightgown with the candelabra, which is a very, yeah. very prominent visual in The Innocence. Um, and uh, I feel like a lot of that that he used for Crimson Peak would have also been used in the Haunted Mansion movie. You know, there's not 99 ghosts in Crimson Peak, but there's four prominent ghosts. Well, three. There's the there's like wives but with the baby it's for i don't remember but there's prominent ghosts throughout the whole thing and i watch it and i'm like how cool would it have been if he got to actually make the haunted mansion movie but at the same time i love that this is what happened because yes. he got to tell his own story as hard as he wanted to tell it and it's like yeah it would have been so great to see all these things applied to haunted mansion but for what it is, it's incredible the way that it is. So I almost, uh, it's again, it's almost like I, I'm, I'm content with the way that it that it ended up. Ended up yeah, me, me too, me too. Because I imagine with Haunted Mansion, because even though there are some dark backstory stuff, you can't get Haunted that Mansion dark. Ride. There's no incest in the, in the Haunted well, Mansion. Well, I mean, but like, but there's murder and there's stuff murder. Too. Like, you have there's the, the bride, the bride. Thing. yeah. Which I think, cause, like, you could incorporate some of that, but like, I think Del Toro would have probably would have leaned into some, you know, some of that stuff. Um, I don't always. I also think too, Del Toro, not the Del Toro. Del Toro is can be funny, yeah. But like, I feel like the other thing with the Haunted Mansion is like Del, the Haunted Mansion is is a really funny. Like, it's really scary at first, and then it's like, <laughs> like it's, it's a it's a great mixture of silly and scary. Um, it's there's always like scary. <laughs> yeah, Slary. Um, yeah, but no, I agree with you. I'm glad that this was this was and what we ended up getting as far as that that was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, the marketing really failed this one. I mean, it was also an expense. I mean, for the movie of its kind, is like a fifty something million dollar 
production. Mm-hmm. Um, the my legendary pictures, and uh, you know it was um, it it's it, it's definitely one of those. It does feel like a, a legendary picture where it's got a very distinct, the very distinct look to it, um, and is very much like a very big like kind of like genre thing. Like this is a a a, a gothic romance with with the horror with horror elements um, in it. Yeah. You know? It's it, it like it, like I was saying earlier. It takes the aesthetics of horror and applies it to the mechanics of like a soap opera, and uh, we get this kind of gothic romance thing. Which I think it was funny because like I remember, I think I I was smart in a, in a, in a certain respect, which is not a uh, uh, an, an, a common thing, but <laughs> but. Um, but uh, I just immediately thought of you calling yourself a moron in a previous episode of me yelling at you for it, so I was waiting for something, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> you are a goofball. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank I, I appreciate that. Uh, Pee-wee and schlock. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, I actually read up a little bit about the movie before going into it, and I remember reading articles about how Del Toro kept saying it's not a horror movie, and that's what mm. helped me when I went into it. Because I imagine if I watched it initially, I would have been like, "Huh," as opposed to like "Huh," whereas because you know the marketing just made you believe this was a horror movie, even though it's not. Yeah, and right. so I watched the movie uh, in theaters, and I'm like, I'm like feeling things i'm like this is this is like everything i love and in so many respects like in this movie like everyone i love all these actors i love the aesthetics i love the ghosts and it's like i feel like there's so many movies about ghosts and there's so many movies about like a lot of different monsters like vampires and whatnot but it's only so often that at least for me because again i'm very picky unfortunately and so, like, you know, it's only so often that I'll find a movie that I feel like captures a lot of the stuff that I love about these things. Mm-hmm. And so right. this is one of those few examples of, like, a ghost story that I'm like, this is incredible. Because the ghosts are wonderfully designed. Um, the The story is incredibly well done. The actors all give their best, especially Jessica Chastain. Where's that Oscar? Where is it? I know she has one. Well, she hasn't. But she has one. But it should have. She should have two. Two. Give it. Come on, Academy. Um, not that they listen to this, but if they do, could you imagine going to the Academy Museum and we just hear our podcast? <laughs> that's that's when I know the Academy's truly become extremely desperate. <laughs> they they they're just trying so hard now. <laughs> Uh, the kids like this, right? No, no, not even the creators like we, it. We, sometimes we we barely, we barely like this. <laughs> but no, and 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 to short in to shorten everything. It's just this has this has everything I like about cinema in so many yep. respects. And even now, like I, we struggle to I struggle to find movies that can capture all these in different in a different context. Obviously, I'm not expecting every movie to be like this, but. Um, it's nice when this comes around every so often, and Guillermo del Toro is usually the one that does it. And uh, I think that's going to ring true for me, especially uh, with our second feature. When we return from our brief intermission, 
Uh, we're going to go into the world of mentalism, sideshows, and uh, weird corrupt politicians. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm a spider lady. And the Razzie for Worst Original Song in a Motion Picture goes to... Ulamon Montgomery and the New Buttersweet Singers for Crimson Peak. <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm hum- humili- humiliated. Listen, I'm all choked up with humbleness. I wrote this song all by myself with no help from anyone, not no, no one on stage, not this dumb person over here that handed me the award. Not even my own mother. Who would have thought I would end up here tonight receiving this? This one. I did. I did. I knew I'd win because I deserve this. Not any of you. Not a stupid person over here as well. Shut up. I've worked my dainty little fingers to the bone making beautiful music. You ungrateful urchins with meager monetary compensation. But tonight, Monty, Monty gets his with interest. And I demand tribute, okay, from every one of you Crittens. All you Crittens are going to be paying me. You pay me 10, no, 15, $15 from every punk in this place. Every one of you, you form a queue right now. Make a line. Right over here. And while you do that, I'm going to take a drink. And Patty's going to say a few things. Patty, come on, come on, say something. Uh, well, uh, you know, back in the day before I was in his uh, rock band, uh, I used to chase tornadoes with Helen Hunt. And uh, uh, we were together. It was a whole thing. We were in love. Uh, and we just kind of ripped apart. And I, I found another woman. And uh, I didn't really tell her about a lot of my, my tornado chasing days. And, and at one point, uh, you're just kind of passing through. And I was just, listen, when divorce is hard. You're trying to get people to sign papers. And it's just a little weird. And I was like, hey. But there's a little bit of spark left. I still kind of love Ellen Hunt. You know, my grandma used to say, if you got to find it, go to Ellen Hunt for it. But that's all I was like. What? Patty, 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 everybody. Listen, folks, here's our song for the 2045 film uh, Crimson Peak. I, I, I still have yet to see it.
are back! Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. I actually pronounced all that this time. <laughs> I was surprised by that. Um, welcome back to the show, everybody. In our last segment, we talked about Crimson Peak, or Joey, if you if you if you wouldn't mind. Beware of Crimson Peak. <laughs> See, I didn't My hear the, the I didn't hear the eek, and so it sounded like Crimson P. <laughs> My vocal cords uh, hate me right now. I hope in the edit we can do some like like sh- like add layer like add a layer of vocals on each time so it's just like beware <laughs> so it just sounds really creepy. That's the benefit of having us do these every other every every other week. <laughs> we have time, time to mess with it. Yeah. It's like like when we like when we put in Phoenix. Remember a minute and five seconds into this to add the filter. All right. Now, obviously, I mean, in between, we got to talk about in between um, Crimson Peak. He did Crimson Peak, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when did he? When did the strain happen? The TV, the TV show. It happened. uh, I want to say it happened maybe around the time Crimson Peak came out. I mean, I don't remember, but I know that in like the third season, there are like the second or third season, they reused a set from the strain. In Shape of Water, mm. uh, like there was the the bit when um, the uh, what the fuck is it uh, the, the at the at the base or whatever where um, Sally worked at Sally Hawkins' character, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sally, keep doing what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> um. So like that, like whenever you saw like um, Michael Shannon like up in the balcony through the window, that set was used in the strain oh i remember you saying that yeah 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 okay so but to my knowledge i don't i wanted to say 2013 but i don't think that's right it ended in 2017 so so because it had three seasons four three or four seasons so why do you ask no i just want to give more context to in between this and our second feature because we also had 2017 also had The Shape of Water, which we've talked about on our show. We're both huge fans of that. Won the Best yes. Picture Oscar. And so it's it was weird because it seemed like the safe movie to give Best Picture to, even though it's a movie where a lady has sex with a fish man. But we can, I'm cool with that. I am okay <laughs> with that. But it is, it, I think it's one of those movies, like people think about like everything everywhere all at once, which is such a wild movie to win Best Picture. Like out mm-hmm. of context, like... It's for yes, for a while it's been the front runner, but like a year before now, like to tell somebody that this movie with like uh with the dildos uh as, awards uh, the, the, the butt plug, excuse me, thank you. Um it was gonna be a best There's picture. dildos in it too. Dildos, okay, that's fair. Alright, so I'm not entirely wrong. Um yeah. but like but I feel like Shape of Water in some ways like it paved the way, I think, for, like, a weirder kind of Best Picture winner. Like, because mm-hmm. obviously we've had epics win Best Picture. Like, Return of the King won Best Picture, won 11 Oscars. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about that. And it's a fantasy movie. But, like, I'm talking... This is such a... Like, like this is a, 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 a fish... <laughs> a fish guy <laughs> romantic <laughs> movie. And I like that, that we can get things like this. Now, 
Del Toro. I think because I think I don't think there was another. Mo- I'm trying. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so because in the 2010 era of Del Toro's career, as far as his cinema, his his movies, because we got at the very beginning was Pacific Rim, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 2013. Yep. Um, Then following that was Crimson Peak. Then following that was The Shape of Water. And then I believe it was this one because I don't think there was anything else. So no. I think I think I think there was because you also got to remember like he's he's working on a million different things, yeah. Just to get to true. like you know one thing or another. The fact like we talked about this in our in our uh, Spanish language episode, I believe, where um, we were talking about like how we were, we were kind of commenting on the whole phenomenon of like Guillermo del Toro being attached to so many things and yet only making so many things. Yet at the same time, he he makes a lot of stuff, especially like, when you think about recently too, because we had this movie. Well, I know we're going to really reveal the title in a second. You already know what it is, probably. <laughs> we're getting but also, to it. But also, this past year, we had Pinocchio. We had Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of wild to think about. Like, back-to-back years of the Del Toro movie. <laughs> like, yes. I'm so I'm so okay with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we come to this. Now we come to this. Um, you know, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> which was at first funny enough you this might surprise you richard i was not anticipating this at first because i didn't know it was a sideshow movie like there was like a sideshow element to it because mm-hmm. i think i this, remember you like being somewhat because the, the enthusiasm wasn't there as much as i would have expected it to be when we talked no. about it you know what let me re- let's reveal the title and i'm gonna <laughs> i need i'm gonna need some help with this one all right okay, what, what do i gotta write up Step right up and behold one of the unexplained mysteries of the universe. Why would Searchlight Pictures greenlight a $60 million uh, sideshow movie? This is Nightmare Alley. I was trying to be the... You're trying to be the geek? Yeah, I was trying to be the geek. I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, one of us... I mean, I was the ghost in the last one, and you get the geek in this one. Beware! Yes, um, but Nightmare Alley, because at first I heard World War II movie by Guillermo del Toro, and I didn't know any other details beyond that, and I thought, okay. Because he's, he's, he's tapped into that a couple of times. Well, like, he's tapped into World War II, but, like, it, it, the way it was presented to me at first seemed like it was going to be, like, a World War II, like, like del Toro was going to do a student, like, was going to just do, like, a movie. Right. Like, kind of, th- that was, which... I've had a hard time believing, but then I, I watched the, the Tyrone power old, um, nightmare alley from the forties. You hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen it. No, I hadn't seen that, it until like a c- couple of years that's ago. That's more surprising. I had never heard of it. And I loved Tyrone power. Um, he's one of my favorite Zar- actors to play Zorro. He played and it it's in the, the criterion. So you're telling me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But but you have to understand the Criterion edition came later. You're came... telling me, okay. You're telling me mm-hmm. that a movie in the Criterion collection, yes, it came later, but a movie in the Criterion collection starring motherfucking Zorro, you had never seen before. I lie. I don't believe it. I don't. Well, Joey, stop it. <laughs> you stop it right now. <laughs> Stop with this lying. Feelings, you know it to be. It's not probably true. It's not. No, no. 
I thought I knew him better. I need to watch Schlock again. <laughs> I never thought I would hear you say that. <laughs> I think you were waiting for that. <laughs> That's a soundbite he has forever but, now. But no, like um, Nightmare Alley, for those of you who don't know what it is, um, it is a, a noir story that takes place partially in the sideshow, right? Yes. So kind of like a circusy like atmosphere. Um, and I really dug that movie. Dude, I, I, we were almost going to have it be a double feature, like with just the two Nightmare Alleys. And I still want to get the old Nightmare Alley. Or even you just got to watch it at some point. It's a great movie. <laughs> it, like, it, it's a go- like gorgeous, like this movie is, well, we'll get to that too. But like, this is a mm-hmm. gorgeous, like black and white, um, black and white noir, um, noir story. Um, about this sideshow side guy, Stanton Carlisle, who's played by Tyrone Power in the original. Um, and he sort of develops, like, the men, uh, the mentalist act, where, you know, he can convince people that he can, like, you know, he knows what you're what you're holding, and, and then he gets, you know, a little, a couple steps too far into that um, realm, and it gets really dicey for him later on. Obviously, the way these stories are portrayed are a little different. I was talking to our good um, friend of mine, Anthony Papetti about it uh, back when the movie, and we were talking about like, they're both great. Did for you, different, did like, you see the, did you see it with him? The new one? No, mm, oh. I didn't. I saw it with, with my mom, and my brother actually. Uh, <laughs> and I remember that only because um, we were in the theater that was closest to like the lot. Like you've been to our, the, a- yeah. the AMC, like, we were clo- the theater closest to the lobby, and I guess the door was kind of seemed like it was propped open, so we could hear people like walking out as they were excited about Spider Man because this came out around you know No Way Home came out. Uh, um, yes, fuck you, Spider Man. <laughs> Joey, calm down. Those Marvel fans are gonna come after you. Listen, Green Goblins in this movie they could have they could have they could have <laughs> sat to watch this. They could have afforded it instead of seeing Spider Man forty eight times. They could have seen it forty six times. Come on. Um, <laughs> Oh God! They're gonna come after you now. It's okay. Ah, whatever. Um, <laughs> That's supposed like to be just dr- teasing, it's like, Joey. It's like, it's like with you with um. I'm gonna wait for you to finish your thing. It's like you with the draft discourse. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a. Well, that's just me in general with a lot of things. Like, like uh, in the last episode. No, was it the last episode? No, it was the Eternals episode. Uh, oh, it feels like Man, the last. Where I was like, <laughs> oh, Richard, Richard's not just saying this about Marvel movies, and you're like, I, I am. Don't. I don't care. And then he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, so this movie, um, I think it, it's like you were saying that Crimson Peak was a movie that felt like it was made for you. Yeah. This felt like it was a movie made mm-hmm. for me. This oh, yeah. This felt like a Todd, like Todd Browning, um, he never made Nightmare Alley, but Todd Browning made a bunch of like sideshow kind of like kind of stories, you know, like the unknown, which we freaks, watched together, which we Not watched together. Ago. The unknown's a great movie. Um, I'm going to see it in, see it in New York uh, next and, week. Uh, but and, and speaking of freaks, I think that is a movie. That's like a movie Del, Del Toro has a lot of respect for. I think he in Bleak House he has some of the characters from Freaks made up. Yes, as, like mannequins. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, that would. That would be if that ever gets like a proper like Blu-ray release. That'd be an interesting one to talk about on our yeah. show. Um, but we could anyway, that I, with the original Nightmare Alley. Yeah, maybe. Um, Nightmare Freaks, uh, Freaks Freak Alley. Freak Alley. Freak Alley. Anyway, <laughs> Freak Alley. That sounds like a, a like a Paula Abdul song. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Freak Alley. <laughs> 
guys, the commitment on Richard with the dance moves. Perfection. I'm just interrupting, Joey. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Listen, there's a lot of diversions in this episode, and I just think we just accept it. But listen, so Nightmare Alley felt like it was a movie just like, okay, somebody used to me, imagine Bradley Cooper, one of your favorite actors living. An actor that I feel like should have an Oscar by now, but I feel like... Bradley Cooper is Joey's Leonardo DiCaprio in the yes. Oscar sense. Yes, because you know how there are people who are like, Leo should have had an Oscar. I'm sure most normal people would have said, Leo should have an Oscar right now. Um, and I felt like, I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And then he got one, and they moved on. This That is me with Bradley Cooper. Where Bradley is Cooper, it? Where is it? I'm going to be that I'm going to be that obnoxious. Bradley Cooper have an Oscar. Rami Malek, you're a nice guy. I'm glad I'm glad you got gold and I loved you on Bojack Horseman, but look. <laughs> Stop. Stop it, Rami Malek. <laughs> Stop it right now. Anyway, that's this again, this is we try to be positive on this show, or at least I try to be, but I'm I'm just silly. Robbie Malik, I like you. <laughs> Robbie Malik is listen, terrible uh, another terrible movie, um Amsterdam, he was really good in that. <laughs> um but a terrible movie, don't watch it, but he was great in it. But um Bradley Cooper in a Guillermo del Toro directed movie with Kate Kate Blanchett is in Oh yeah. Willem Dafoe, Ron Perlman, re- triumphant return. To a Guillermo del Toro production, yes, yes, hey. um, and hey. and it, it's a side sh- a sideshow movie noir that also has a black and white version, like <laughs> like like Joey changed his shorts five times after hearing all of this. <laughs> th- 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 thankfully, I had because there was like barely any people in the theater. <laughs> Um, you had to keep stepping out and then changing and then coming back. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this is obviously a joke. Um, <laughs> in any case, um, Nightmare Nightmare Alley. Um, I freaking love this movie. It might be my favorite Del Toro movie. It's, Understandable. It's kind of it's it's either this or P- Pacific Rim. People go, what about Pants? Pants Labyrinth is up there too. It's like it's like the peak, like the Del Toro signature style. Yeah, but but I'm like for me I'm like either I like giant robots punching giant monsters or Bradley Cooper going madam what's the meaning of this madam it is like nasally southern madam what is the meaning of this <laughs> this ivory can, I, clutch <laughs> <laughs> nickel plated ivory handle yes <laughs> um, it's it's like in, in many respects it's like. I, to, to, I, I attribute how you explain this as like, I would think going to the Batman, here it comes um, I consider like The Dark Knight's probably arguably the best made Batman movie, arguably speaking um, but my favorite is is like Batman 89 or even The Batman, which I really like right. mm-hmm. but like I could, I could acknowledge, like I could acknowledge Pan's Labyrinth is like one of his most well-crafted movies, if not the most well-crafted movies ever made but there's a preference there. <laughs> like, you give me ghosts, you give you sideshow, noir, black and white Bradley Cooper. Come on. 
What do you but think? But also, it's pick? gorgeous. It's also gorgeous in color. It is as well. Um, but anyway, like again, Stanton Carlisle, he's sort of a grifter uh, type. You know, mm. he he ends up joining this. It feels like inadvertently joins the sideshow. He doesn't and, talk if, 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 for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's like I was listening to somebody else talk. It was like twelve minutes. The yeah. leading man doesn't speak. Um, and he joins joins the sideshow, and he sort of gets he go, joins this community. We learn a number of things. He learn he learns about the geek, uh, which is a sideshow a sideshow act of you know almost feels like a missing link kind of thing where it's like a savage person. It's really just a person who's like a drug, like a sort of at this point, a it's, drug addict. Yeah. It's like basically they, they find a guy who's desperate for work. Who's probably an alcoholic most likely. And you slip opiums into his drink and, um, you, you kind of tease him a little bit as Willem Dafoe explains and like says, you know, this is only temporary until we get a real geek. Um, or until, you know, whatever. And yet for some reason, um, you know, the guy, like, because he's drinking, because he's taking the opium and all that stuff, he eventually like will succumb to the, uh, I guess the, uh, the words, whatever. And, uh, becomes the geek essentially Mm -hmm. like it is ruining someone's life for uh, sideshow entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also, too, he encounters um, encounters Xena and Pete. Oh, Pete! <laughs> uh, played by uh, Tony 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 Collette Collette's back as well. She is back, and also David Strathairn is back. Applause! For and basically, basically, she also has like a sort of like a a, a mind reading kind of kind of act, and basically. Um, Stanton sort of learns, sort of learns from her and Pete. Uh, also, Pete, we should note Pete is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the thing with like like Pete is like he's like a he's a wise, he's a really wise character, but who's just tragic, who's trapped in his like tragic um, circumstance. I really, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's great in this. I got to give a special note to David Strathairn because it's it feels like an old Hollywood kind of performance. It was it was almost like strange because I was thinking about the original movie. Um, I got which I want to rewatch again at some point, and it made me think of the performance in that on some different, of course, but like right. it was like so, it, if you had plucked David Strathairn and put him in like an old movie, it would um, I think it would still work. He's got that sort of old you know old star you know supporting character actor like kind of quality about him, mm-hmm. but um, but Stanton learns from from Pete, and eventually um, you know. Pete, Pete Daz and uh, 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 Pete Daz under mysterious circum. Hold on, <clears throat> Pete Daz under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> yes. Um. So and then event eventually, you know, he leaves the sideshow, but not without taking with him um, Molly, Molly, Rune- Molly. Uh, Rooney, Ma- Rooney Mara. Uh, has she been on our show before? <sighs> that is a very, very, very good question. I. We've never talked about Carol. We've never talked we, about Girl, we've, Girl with we've, Dragon Tattoo. We've planned for her to be on the show. Yes. She, she has not the show. yet. This is her first appearance. For, for us, this is fitting. And, um, you know, she's great. Um, but he, uh, Stanton Carlisle takes Molly. You know, they end up together. And she's also part of his, um, his, the, his assistant in his mentalist act. 
basically Pete and uh, Zena had figured out uh, a way to communicate with each other through through words and language and like different things um, in their mentalism act. So like just just as like an example, um, at, like they do in the movie, Stanton gives um, Zena a watch, and uh, she says very specifically like words to um pete and then pete assesses uh, that the watch that it is a watch and that it's it's worn but it's gold it's it's very specific details just from all these information but then also there's the 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 people reading aspect of it which we learned stanton's not so bad at and uh the problem with this act though is that if you go too far with it go into what they call a spook show that's when things get dicey and that's like you like you were saying earlier and that's when things become more or less like now you're now you're now you're turning into like joel olstein <laughs> you're turning into like a mega church preacher and giving people yeah. false hope and and essentially like uh abusing their spiritualism and their sense of you know religion and and giving them false hope because yep. like like stan stan sees the possibility of going further and not thinking it's necessarily a bad thing or maybe he does think it's a bad thing and he just doesn't outright say it because he always he always comes off as altruistic but is he really yeah is he really he, mm. one of my other favorite things too is how easy he is to read he's so, so easy like everyone but, but, catches but, his bullshit like immediately but, but i love like um when they, they told him about like his dad then when he when Pete does the reading on 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 him and talks about his yeah. old man or whatever and and he's like how did you know all that and he goes it was a stock reading <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody knows or like like this is coming from someone who actively avoids drinking but like every time like alcohol's mentioned to him he goes oh I don't touch the stuff and everyone just like gives some shit for it <laughs> like like Willem Dafoe's like. You know, we, we got alcohol over here. We got th- this one. It's wood alcohol. It's poison. Good for pickling. Bad for drinking. Then over here, sugar cane. Uh, double cooked. Uh, you know, good for drinking. And um, he's and he's basically explaining to him, you know, if you want a, if you want a bottle, you got to, you know, pay the toll, put put a quarter in, whatever. And then he just goes, never touch the stuff. He's like, altruistic, aren't we? Just say you understand. <laughs> he's like, I understand. What do you understand? Never cop court. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's Told like, the line. Don't fuck with me. That's this. It, it, it's um, it's 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 pretty amazing. Um, but I, I I love like yeah, but like I love again. David Strathairn's so great at like explaining that whole thing. But also to Tony Collette, fantastic, and you know, so good. Her her and uh, Stanton uh, get you know, jiggy with it. Na 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 na. And, uh, and then he eventually <laughs> he eventually leaves. And I love what what he what he what uh, when he's like, "You want this?" It's like Pete's book with like the, all like the how to do the mentalist act. He goes, "You you keep it. You worked you worked hard for it." <laughs> so then we're gonna breeze it a little bit, even though because Rod Perlman's also involved too. Yeah, uh, Rod Perlman is like. Is Rooney Mara's dad's buddy that like protects her because the dad's dead? Yes, he's like a strong man. I got the, (laughs) I got five uh, whatever he says good meat and bone in my hand right here. I'm gonna use it on you. I'm paraphrasing terribly. Yes, yeah. Um, But again, I want before we leave the sideshow, beautifully designed production. Production. They built the whole thing. They built the whole thing. 
Um, there's so many memorable shots. I love the Ferris wheel there. Mm-hmm. Um, All those I, distant just, shots in the field with the mm-hmm. oh. yeah, it's so good. So good. Also, too, before we leave, before we leave the sideshow, Stanton does save the sh- sideshow thanks to his read of Jim Beaver's triumphant <laughs> return to our show from Woo! five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he listen. He lives this time. He, gets he lives. Live. He gets. He gets to live. And basically, because he's a cop trying to shut down the sideshow, um, you know, because it's like, oh, this is you know nasty stuff. Right, I like the where he's just like you're, you're trying to you know get money or whatever, and then the kiss the foot foot of a priest on Sunday. <laughs> um, I, I I just I just like his mustache. <laughs> it's just, just this big old, but like, but it's amazing too. And Brad, but Bradley Cooper's so good where he's able to like complete like read this guy and like like look look at like specific things like the foot, the club foot, the chain. And it was like, oh, it's got to be Mary. And everybody, who doesn't know somebody named Mary? Especially, uh, so, uh, behold, the Lord blessed us. His mother's name is Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so they leave, and he's a very successful, uh, successful. Two mentalist. years later, couple yes, successful mentalist. Um, and this is where we get into the more noir end of things, and arguably seedier than before. <sighs> It's, because it, now it's a lot. Because now we have uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, the Doctor, the Good Doctor, Doctor Lilith Ritter. <laughs> Not related to Jason or John. No, um, but she she knows this guy. This guy is is full of baloney. You know, uh, full of baloney, and she tests him, and she's like, "Rudy Mara, get the fuck out of the way. We're not doing a Carol too." We're not doing Carol too, all right. Listen, you're pretty, but we're not doing it. I'm just saying. And like <laughs> he's he's able to do do a sort of read and guess. But also, the pr- sorry, um, I think it should be noted too. Whenever he does read people, it's very surface level. Yes, like he does have the skill, but everything's very because like he sees, um, Kate Blanchett. He sees Lilith, and he sees that she's dressed nice. He sees that she likes pretty things. And a lot of these, again, are kind of basic things that a lot of people could have. And that, like, he can come to a pretty easy guess. Like, she probably, you know, has a gun in her purse, which is, like, the conclusion of the whole thing. But I also like the fact that, like, he becomes so overconfident in himself that it's part of his downfall. So that's all I wanted to throw in there. No, no, that's that's important for sure. Yeah. Um, But... With such specific detail, the Avery, <laughs> Madam, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> but also, too, uh, he be, because of this, he they encounter like the there's the family, uh, the, the 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 parents that are there of this one. They they so okay, so like Kate Blanchett's friends, sort of mm-hmm. are like there patient, and maybe patience. Yeah, yeah. So like they lost a son. Um, during the war because also like there's like world war ii stuff happening like as like a side thing like mm-hmm. we see we see world war ii building up like there's a part when willow defoe's like you know that that guy that looks like charlie Chaplin just invaded poland yeah or like uh uh kate blanchett going haven't you heard we're at war throwing a newspaper down it says fdr you know we're going to war so there's like little things yeah and also they say 1941 Yes, this is true. Uh, this is true. In the, um, 
but basically, but basically, you know, that this family, you know, they're they're pretty easy prey for um, Stanton, Stanton, basically, yeah, because. Uh, and he based that's when he turns it into a spook show and then they see them again and he just keeps going with it basically so there's that but then event, um you know he has some encounters with uh some sessions with with Dr. Ritter uh makes a deal you know, makes a deal but also she reads she reads him and whew. listen like again like Stanton can only go so far whereas Lilith can go deep this is true yes lilith listen lilith can mess you up <laughs> yes this th- this is uh this is very true um but as this as this is going on you know like he has some more sessions with with the family uh mary steenbergen <laughs> as, as as the wife who is fantastic in the very limited role she has in this and is the most memorable scene in this movie in my opinion <laughs> she she has two scenes both are in the same location in the same spot and she steals the show in many in both those instances <sighs> yeah it's because she does because obviously he says says to them you're gonna you know your son wants you to know that y- you'll be reunited again in heaven this is very dangerous um <laughs> This is and then very she, dangerous. She does, she does a, a murder suicide of uh, herself and her husband. And the best part too is Stanton keeps building it up. Like I might have saved their marriage. I did. A, I did a righteous thing. And it's right. like, boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, just going along with that, we uh, Richard Jenkins returns to our program. Woo! Richard Stinkin Jenkins. Um, Keep doing Ezra, it. Ezra Grindle. Uh, Ezra Grindle. Or as I thought. No, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about David Chen's uh, comment. It was like, uh, I think it was David Chen. Or somebody said, Ezra Grindle is the best villain name ever. <laughs> it, it's a really good villain name. <laughs> but basically, um, you know, this guy, he he's like a big... Polit- I was like, pol- was he politician, like higher up kind of? I thought he guy? was like a like some like kind of gangster or something, maybe something. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Like like so. Admittedly, I don't think they really lay it down what he's done, but like you, it feels like maybe he's a gangster, and that he's right. Like he's like a Godfather kind of guy. He's powerful. He's done stuff, but the difference being that he's a he's weak in his spiritual aspect of himself. He feels broken. And he needs mm. he needs help, right? Yeah. And so, like, like initially, we learned that you know Lilith was his doctor for a little bit, mm-hmm. and that didn't work out for him. Clearly, <laughs> yes. And so he he uh, hears about Stanton Carlisle, uh, who's uh, and who was helping the family, the uh, politician dude or whatever, and. Uh, that's when he's like, "Listen, if if you're bullshit, I'm killing you. But if you're legit, you you know, I'll pay you ten thousand dollars every session." Yeah. And of course, Stanton, being a greedy son of a bitch, is like, "I'm gonna do that." <laughs> 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 he's just like, "Madam, give me all the money, please." <laughs> but it gets it gets to a point where it just gets so rid- ridiculously far because there's a woman uh, that this man. Had a relationship with 
and is dead because of him. It's basically. like one of the positive women relationships he had because that's like he's coming he's finally coming to terms with the fact that he's hurt so many women yep and uh so he wants to he wants to see her like physically like physically like a go like a see a ghost a ghosty beware of Ezra Is he a man or a beast? <laughs> That's exactly Richard Tankins, Richard. Very good. Good job. I try my best. Um, uh, I'm so, gonna destroy so, you. <laughs> you motherfucker. Uh, but then he Bradley Cooper tries to get um <laughs> Stanton Carlisle tries to get um Molly involved as as the, to play this woman. Were you about to accuse Bradley Cooper? <laughs> Stop, Stop it. it! Bradley! You're gonna miss your Oscar chances if you keep doing that! Stop That's it! Um, I'm sorry. So, I'm so no, sorry. it's fun. Um, but, and she's just like, I don't want to do this. She's gonna leave him, you know. Uh, Especially because she found out that Lilith and, and Stanton were, like, doing things. Yes, this is very true. Like, like Stanton was like, I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of digging this girl. I might, you know, do things. It's all part of the Polly Abdul song I'm, I'm making up of Freak Alley. Fake. <laughs> um, but, and then he's able to convince her to do it. And then the the main event happens. Uh, what is the main where event? The main event, the spook show of all spook shows Rooney Mara with blood as a ghost and Richard Jenkins is like oh my god I need forgiveness I'm not I need a hugger oh, oh. and then uh, Richard Jenkins assist big assistant guy he listens to the radio and hears about the, hears about what happened to Mary Steenbergen and goes what and tries to he tries to save his boss because he's very loyal to his boss which is a yes. pretty cool character thing like trying to um I forget the. I'm going to insert the guy's name. He was, did a very good job as this very yeah. small. He's role. the the actor is incredible. He was on Mindhunter with uh, Jonathan Groff, Holt McCallany, and he's in um, the opening scene of the theatrical cut of Justice League. <laughs> you know, everyone what? everyone does things for money. You know, I get it. It's like this movie, except you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we tease. He's great tease. in this, but he's so good. Um, anyway, so obviously Ezra's like, what the fuck is this? And he's obviously just like devastated and, uh, he won't let go of, um, Molly. And so he's Stanton, he, he, he looks at Molly's face and he's like, what? Yeah. I'm going to need you to get your hand off her, please. <laughs> the beating, the savage beating. You motherfucker. He, he, become, he becomes the Phantom of the Opera because he's got no nose. He's, he literally punches his nose off. And and also the music is really great at this point, too. The music's great the Nathan whole thing. Jo- but like, Nathan Johnson. And he, like, when it, it comes to this big, like, dramatic crescendo when he's, like, punching him and you hear Molly going, Stop it, Bradley Cooper! Stop! No, I'm kidding. Just stop it. Not Bradley Cooper. Uh, stop like punching like Richard Jenkins. Molly the, char- Molly the character, played by Rooney Mara, tell Bradley, <laughs> Bradley actual Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper to stop. Stop, <laughs> stop it! And, and Guillermo kept it in. So. 
amazing. So obviously a lot of the the uh, the henchman guy gets his face is just like yeah oh yeah he gets hit by a car and then like the top he gets scalped by the car basically pretty much so then um then Bradley Cooper um you know obviously not Bradley Cooper Stanton (laughs) Carlisle. I think we're learning the importance of learning the characters' names. Stanton, but the funny thing is, I know Stanton Carl. <laughs> but it makes it's it so worst. good for this episode, though, with everything that's already happened. So Stanton, uh, Stanton Carlisle goes to Doctor Ritter's office, and you know he, he tries to, you know, he wants he wants the money. He needs he needs the money, and it's just singles. <laughs> the, uh, that's one of my favorite deliveries. Like I know you love the madam. What's the meaning of this? It's which is I get it. I get why. But I like because he's because he's got a cold now and he's already yeah. nasally enough. And he goes singles, <laughs> <laughs> singles. <laughs> where, is, where is it? The money. <laughs> <laughs> the singles. <laughs> like so. That, that's also a two dudes Hall of Fame line. Singles. <laughs> Uh. Yes. Um, but and then obviously he tries. To, he tries like she. Um, she blasts his ear off. Yeah, like the <laughs> gun. And then uh, he tries to strangle her, but uh, he leaves eventually because the cops. And he goes basically on the road uh, again, and he finds himself in another sideshow, um, basically with just the clothes, probably the piss stained clothes on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he meets the leader from the Incredible Hulk, Tim Blake Nelson. Yes, yeah. So, and he tries. He's like, yeah, I want to be. I want to be. I'm, I was used to be a great mentalist. And he's like, ah, mentalist. Nobody nobody does that anymore. What's and, What's great about this scene? Not to cut you off again. I'm sorry, but like, what's no. great about this scene is that so much, like aesthetically speaking is a representation of, like, a lot of the stuff in Stanton's life that led him to this point. Like, you see Enoch, the pickled baby with the third eye. Um, Yes. We we see a radio, which is a lot like the radio he had when he left his father. Even even Tim Blake Nelson is sort of dressed like Jim Beaver in that he has the same mustache and the little pendant that that he wore. Yes. So, like, it's all... There's, like representations of like his fate was leading to this point almost yes he yes for sure and it's like one of those things where you kind of had an idea of where he was going to end up like after they explained what a geek was mm. and oh man like what what, what a great way, his, setup and payoff oh my god like i just love i love that mister i was born for it <laughs> 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 and I think that that line delivery is a little different in the line delivery is a little different in like the original one. Oh, is it? Does it end the same way? It's complicated, just like the Steve Martin Meryl Streep mo- movie. Um. <laughs> so he says, "Mister, I was made for it." In the original. Oh. And in this one saying, I was born for it. So there lies, again, I, I have to watch the original to see if maybe like the, the context is different, but I imagine based on that, 
it is a little bit yeah i mean because again like that i mean as daring as nightmare alley was back in like the 40s obviously it had to succumb to like studio standards like the haze code and all that so it was a um, it was that after the haze code movie yeah it was, the, yeah. It was like late for like 47 um mm. 47 and obviously this movie Guillermo del Toro he doesn't have to he doesn't have to succumb to that he's no. a best picture winning best director winning Oscar guy and you won an um, Oscar on Sunday he won another Oscar there you go yeah. and this was I believe this was one of the most expensive searchlight movies ever so he doesn't have to like listen I, I don't I mean he he list probably listened on some level for certain whatever but like he's making his movie I yeah. feel like I don't feel like there's anything that's like held back with this, nah. which is kind of what I love about it. It's like, it's like those circus movies, like those sideshow movies that I loved, like Freaks, The Unknown, um, the original Nightmare Alley, but there's, there's nothing holding, holding this guy, holding Guillermo del Toro back on this one. Mm. It's like a movie, a movie that I, a, a type of movie that I love from like back in the day made in like the modern era with a big budget, big production, big, like, and, big and no rules. No rules. Listen, like you got Willem Dafoe in, in in like a somewhat small, somewhat small part. David Strathairn is there for a few minutes. Like, like you got like this is an ensemble, really. I mean, yeah, Bradley Cooper is our central character, but like we got some we got some great people in this movie. Got some great people. I love the obviously the production design of this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, like just all like the little details. Obviously, the the the, the third eye baby is, is great. Enoch. Which is great too because, um, you know, Bradley Cooper. When you look at his blindfold, it's got a got a big eye on, on that. Love that blindfold. Um, I'm surprised you don't have that blindfold. I, I'm, I, I believe me, I've tried to find. It. <laughs> but I also feel like if someone came, like if like if your girlfriend came into your man cave and saw that there, just like, what's he doing with it? <laughs> like obviously, I imagine she's smart enough to realize it's a nightmare alley thing. But like if it was anybody else, it'd be like. Oh God! What's he into? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Christian Gray, I mean, aka Joey Tantalus. But like, stop you it! Get, like, got, you got uh, Kate Blanchett. Del Toro, you got Kate Blanchett to play this like this femme fatale type. In and this, she's so good. In this movie, she's so good. Her introduction, her introduction, like shot Dan Loutson. Uh, gorgeous cinematography, and of course. In addition to this being in color, there's a black and white version, which is at this point uh, in the United States only on Hulu. I and think it's, it's currently being worked on, fixed by the Criterion Collection, according to some sources. guy in a forum. According yes. to some um, sources like, that claimed uh, that Del Toro told him that, told them that, which I hope is true. And I yeah. honestly thinking because obviously Searchlight's owned by Disney. But Disney, like, let's probably think about, like, okay, there's probably not a whole lot of appeal. I mean, there's appeal for this movie, but, like, they could probably, like, you know, we could probably make more money and be more hands-off if we just license this thing out to another studio. License yeah. off to another, like, a boutique label. So I, I could see that happening. It'd be really nice to get the black and white version um, on disc, you know, because mm. at this point we only have the, you know, the regular, you know, color theatrical version. It would be nice. I would, I would hope that... Maybe something like that could happen. I think that'd be pretty cool. I know. I would definitely. I would definitely buy it. I think there is a market for that. Uh, you know, but there's so many discs um, I want to. Just that's on the list. It, it's certain, <laughs> certainly, um, certainly on the list. But this is a movie about about telling the truth, and you know, 
the costs of lying, the costs of manipulating people, you know, um, and just our main character is like, he thinks he's ahead of the game, but he's really is, is even easier to read than his victims. He's, he is a children's book <laughs> in comparison. Like, like he is, <laughs> yes. he is freaking Dr. Seuss. Whereas like, uh, Kate Blanchett's like war and peace. It's, it's a little Tolstoy. bit more to it. <laughs> Tolstoy is a little bit more to it. But it, it's also like this movie is like, this is the first time I feel like outside of the fact that there's no monsters in this movie, like no actual like creatures, which is unique for Del Toro. Um, but also this is like the first movie where like the character that he usually depicts as the villain is the main character. Not that Stanton Carlisle is depicted as a good person in any light. But right. it's like we're 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 gonna put the focus on we're gonna really lay it thick. The the like it's like Del Toro has spent years going. This is what I've been saying. These people aren't bad. It's these people, and it's like Nightmare Alley's going. Do you get it yet? <laughs> and it's almost like uh, it makes you think of the ending of Freaks a little bit because like ultimately the vain character. Spoilers for Freaks. The vain character who thinks they're above it all. Becomes the side becomes the atrocious deformed sideshow attraction. It's just like listen, Stanton Carlisle, what a geek! What a geek! That's your that's your letterbox review, right? Yeah, that's oh, it's Bradley <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> but I wanted to fix that <laughs> for this episode. Stop it, Richard Bradley Purnell. Cooper! Stop it, Richard Purnell! Stop, it. Joey! So you stop your Christian Grey weirdness. <laughs> Don't be blind. Don't be buying no blindfolds. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but anyway, I think like both of these movies are two big, like, uh, two like studio movies. Like they're Universal. not like two hundred million. Universal and Sir- and Searchlight, um, each one, and it's just really cool to see when you have like a like a six fifty to sixty million dollar budget in the hands of like a uh, hands of an artist like Del Toro. What you can really do with that. Yeah. And obviously, the whole t- all the teams that are on on those movies. I mean, you know, Nightmare Alley didn't win any Oscars. It got nominated for a bunch, but it's clear like the production design end of things, the music, the cinematography, um, is all is all top notch. You know, like Del Toro's gotten to a point in his life where he's able to make these movies however he wants to. And this is even before he was best picture, best director winning filmmaker Guillermo del Toro. Like he'd won awards for pan's labyrinth while ago but even then he was still like working on a few a few things here and there but then like i think when pacific rim came out like that was around that time he started saying things like i i just want to tell my stories which i love that like again the idea of del toro adapting things is fun like obviously he this is an adaptation from a book nightmare alley um, but he put his own spin on it and he, he, he did something different with it, at least different in the context of like, especially in the context of the way movies are made today, you know, like any other director would have just had the volume or something and all the actors would have just been like, wow, look at this circus. This is great. Or, the, or there may be like one or two, like, like tense, set, like tense or set pe- distinct set pieces. But, um, uh, but it's like he's he's gotten to a point now where he's like i want to make the things that i'm most passionate about i i don't want to go through these loops to have to to adapt one thing or another i want to do what i want to do and he can do that now 
and you know yes. he might not make like high grossing films unfortunately even though they all deserve to be high grossing films um he he's making passion project after passion project like pacific rim uh shape of water crimson peak nightmare alley like he's at a point in his career that he can just do anything and i'm there for it i'm I, i'm I think, sitting back and i'm i'm a happy camper it's a, it's really really kind of an interesting like thing like he he gets a lot of this money and he's doing a frankenstein movie he's doing a frankenstein movie the only thing that makes me sad about that is it's going to netflix i believe i was also very upset about that too so um, like and again, I like that Netflix gives creators a, an outlet to essentially have, you know, no studio notes and just make whatever they want. That's fantastic. But I just want a disc. That's why I'm glad All Quiet on the Western Front's getting a 4K and I'm going to buy it because I want Netflix to know, hey, oh, I hit my microphone. Hey, <laughs> Netflix, make discs. God damn it. I mean, listen, I think, you know, when Netflix and their, like, there are things with Criterion that they do every now and then. Yeah. I feel, and I feel like because Del Toro is already in the collection, I feel like Pinocchio has a good chance, and I feel like Frankenstein definitely has a good chance. Oh of my getting god, could you imagine? I mean, listen, I don't know, I don't have any secret information or anything like that, but I'm just like, what are you not my... telling me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you knew me after Pee Wee, man. Does that mean you get you're not gonna hold secrets now, Stanton? Are you? <laughs> Monsieur, what's the meaning of this? <laughs> Netflix, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I'm glad we, we, we got to the opportunity to talk about this. Like, uh, a f one of our favorite filmmakers made some really great movies uh, we both will enjoy, but want, each one definitely appeals to skews more one dude uh, than the other for each way. And it, it it paints a picture on the kind of things that Joey and I like, like specifically us, but also within the Venn diagram that, you know, we both went away loving both of these movies. But it's like, I like ghost and spooky things. Joey like sideshow and old things. And I mean, it's more to that. It's, it's more to, to it than that. But yeah, that's fair. And Bradley Cooper. And Bradley Cooper. And I like Tom Hiddleston. Uh, you know what? Jessica Chastain would be my Bradley Cooper in that's in this conversation. I do like that's Jessica fair. Chastain. She's fantastic. That's fair. Yes. She's absolutely. she listen, she's got one of the best jawlines as well. Like, goodness gracious. Yes. Both of them do, really. Very, very distinct. Like um, like I would like I would just like like, wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd be like, get away from me. <laughs> Uh, there's also, I, we might have said this before, but also this movie, uh, is the origin of the fake podcast, Bradley, <laughs> hopefully soon to be a real Listen, podcast. fake is, uh, is, is quotations it's, at this uh, point. We'll say, we'll say it's, uh, in, in pro, in the process. Cause like, idea phase. Cause like, listen, both Joey and I have potential like secondary podcast ideas we might we might tackle at some point it just it's a time thing but also it's we gotta we gotta perfect the we gotta find the time really but <laughs> it's 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 really it's about about the time you know it might be just a thing where it's just like you know oh, we just throw one of these every every now and then it's like kind of a fun bonus like a, so you'll get a nice like joey just brings me on like what are we talking about i wanted to show i want to talk about the a-team okay 
Um, I haven't seen it all the way. Good. That's what this episode's all about. <laughs> Welcome to Bradley Alley, folks. And then we hear, BOW! Randy Alley! Randy Alley! And then we use, we use the Radley randomizer to determine what Bradley we're talking about The Hangover Part 3. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yes! And then what's next? <laughs> we are talking about Wedding Crashers. Yeah! We are talking about an MCU movie for Ragnarok! Yeah! <laughs> we already oh. talked about it, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, Thor! Sorry, Thor. Thor Love and Thunder. Thunder. Listen, my bad. Listen. And, then, and then finally, to end the season out, that one movie all about Steve. He did with Sandra Bullock. Woo! And then uh, Aloha. We don't talk about Aloha. <laughs> Never talk about a law. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, on a side note, would be great in a Tropic Thunder uh, spinoff <laughs> or sequel. Never talk about. Never talk about Aloha. <laughs> remember that movie, Aloha? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> exactly. So, folks, uh, what are your thoughts on Crimson Peak and Nightmare Alley? What's your favorite Bradley Cooper movie? And what's your favorite uh, Jessica what, Chastain movie? What's your what's which Jessica Chastain movie outside of uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye? Right, is that the name of the movie? I or think Tammy so. Faye? The one that she won the Oscar uh, for? The, yeah, yeah. Other I think than so. that, what would you get? What would you give Jessica Chastain the Oscar for? for me would have been Zero Dark. Me would have been Zero Dark Thirty. She's incredible in that movie. But I have still um, not seen that actually. <sighs> it's on four K at Best Buy right now. Oh, Catherine Bigelow, dude. Man. So good. Uh, point Break, Nuts. Near Dark, both fantastic as well. Catherine Bigelow. Not related to what we're talking yes. about, but still. Anyway, uh, you know, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We also have each have a letterbox, a YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out as we uncover the mysteries <laughs> of the universe. And remember, beware, Crimson and most importantly, stop it, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> stop it right now. <laughs> and have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.